0: hey guys welcome back this is crystal
1: this is jessica
2: and this is ethan
0: and this is another episode of
1: what's, what's in the
2: name what's in the name what oh was gosh. that you're, I... you're you're always so late so i thought if i was late we would finally sync up
0: negative negative <laughs> anyways you guys so the question for this week is what is your dream
1: vacation do i go first always oh good to know okay (laughs) i'm gonna refrain from saying anything disney because crystal called me out last week um and i'm not just this one-dimensional person you know like i have a lot of other interests uh so i would say it was israel for a while but since i um went there uh
2: oh subtle brag
1: (laughs) that wasn't meant to (laughs) brag uh i think my dream vacation would be a safari in africa um i've seen these like uh tents they're like glamping tents where like you have like a bed it's like temperature controlled it's real bougie but it's still out in nature um and so like that's my dream vacation to be able to go spend like a week in africa on a safari (laughs)
2: That's awesome. Well, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm a fan of the best trashy reality TV show out there. Uh, That is the TV show Survivor. So my dream vacation would be to go where they film each season. um, And that would be to Fiji. Uh, That would be super fun. That's my dream vacation. And then like maybe even my dream vacation of all dream vacations would be while I'm in Fiji, sneaking onto the island while they're filming a season of Survivor <laughs> and pretending that I've been there the whole time. And then just like straight up winning that million dollars at the very end in a unanimous vote. That is my dream of all dream vacations.
1: <laughs> Ethan, didn't you try out for Survivor?
2: Uh, maybe. That's, I don't want to talk about it.
1: <laughs> We're not talking about it because it obviously wasn't successful, but that's okay. We'll try again, right? You're still in your prime. You could You could get it done.
2: Yeah, I'm actually only on this podcast to, like, pad my resume so that they're interested in uh, getting me on that TV show.
1: <laughs> so I had to
0: physically restrain myself from laughing when Jessica said her dream vacation. Why? Because literally my dream vacation is a safari in Africa. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you're basic. Uh, um, so I've been planning this trip to Kenya. Uh, this is actually, like, what I wanted to do prior to COVID happening. COVID happened, I couldn't go, so I, I spent the money on a house. But I, I really wanna go uh and see like the the animals migrate. Um I hate zoos, like animals being caged up, so I want to see them in like their natural habitat, just like running free. But that's it. So I guess Jessica and I are basic together.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I have together. I have I have no desire. To go on a safari, but I'll go if we're all going. Like I have FOMO, so I'll be there even though I've never thought about it once in my entire life.
0: We'll do a, we'll do a podcast from Africa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a live episode.
0: <laughs> all right, awesome! Thank you guys for uh, those vacation ideas. Well, really, the only other idea is Fiji. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so today we're gonna um, talk about scrupulosity, as we mentioned before last week. And so what it is, is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder, so OCD, and it involves religious or moral obsession. So people with scrupulosity, um, they have like this thought that they might be like committing a sin or violating some religious or moral doctrine. Um, But before we dive too deep into that that topic, let's talk about what OCD is. Um, When you guys think OCD, what do you think?
2: The first thing that comes to mind for me was that detective show um, from a few years back called Monk. It's probably a little bit dated now, but I just think he was probably a prime example of what people thought of when they thought of OCD, especially when they think of like what it looks like in pop culture or, or TV shows.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so being an actual therapist, I can totally speak to this if you guys would like me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) to. Yes, please. (laughs) Just kidding. But yeah, someone who has um, OCD as a diagnosis is probably someone that engages in compulsive ritual like behaviors in order to try and soothe anxiety that their obsession is causing. Um, it's usually identified by like pretty unreasonable thoughts and fears that they're actually able to identify as like an unrealistic thought. But regardless, it's very distressing for them. And they have to complete the ritual most times in order to be able to move past it and back to their regular everyday life.
0: No, definitely. And so I'm not as well trained as Jessica. I've
2: You're only... not trained at they all, can... <laughs>
0: But my one week of research has led me to this. <laughs> you both are sort of kind of right. <laughs> so the, bar- the broad representation of OCD is actually wrong in most cases. People will throw around the term like, oh my gosh, I'm so OCD or my roommate is so OCD they have to have something a particular way and that's not um, usually the case. So just because someone's high, strong or very particular doesn't mean they have OCD. Um With OCD, there's like two components of it. It's the obsession and the compulsion. Uh, The obsession revolves around like the thoughts and the worries that people have. And then the compulsion is the behavior behind it, what they have to do because of those thoughts. So essentially someone with OCD, like Jessica said, engages in compulsive ritual behaviors uh, in order to basically relax their anxiety or the obsession that they have.
2: Okay. And so... Taking that idea of OCD, scrupulosity then is essentially religious focus or morally focused OCD. Is that right?
0: Yeah. It's a person's obsession or focus on moral or religious fears. Like I'm an evil person or like the fear of retribution from the Lord because of committing a sin. Although um, scrupulosity can also affect people who are non-religious, it is mostly found in people who do hold religious uh, beliefs
2: okay yeah that makes sense um so then what is it that causes scrupulosity
0: jessica the therapist is dying to answer that i can see
1: (laughs) oh my gosh whatever dying is a huge stretch um yeah i would say like other forms of ocd uh scrupulosity by the way if this was a um we were playing a drinking game. You have to drink every time we mispronounce scrupulosity. <laughs> Someone would be in bad shape right now. It's a tough word to say. But, anyways, um, scrupulosity can be the result of a lot of different factors, um, including genetic, environmental influence. Also, just like your religious upbringing can have a huge effect on whether or not you develop some scrupulosity tendencies. And I just want to note as well that you can have a lot of the tendencies of ocd but not have the official diagnosis of ocd or scrupulosity or something like that so if you have some tendencies then that's it you just have tendencies of it you're not officially diagnosed with that diagnosis if that makes sense yeah okay
0: so have either of you ever felt like you've suffered from scrupulosity
2: um i honestly don't feel like i have I mean, like, I have the occasional thoughts of like, oh, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Things like that. I feel like everyone has those, right? That's pretty normal to an extent to kind of question one's own morality. But I don't think I've ever had it to the severity where I would say it's been scrupulosity. Um, I know several people, though, who have like actual formal diagnoses of scrupulosity. And I've seen like it can be really hard to work through those things. Um, in fact, in prepping for this episode, I saw some research out there that had an estimate that every one in three people who was diagnosed with OCD would be specifically diagnosed with scrupulosity. So that's a good amount of people that have OCD that are suffering from this kind of specific case of scrupulosity.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Um, I've definitely never experienced it, so we can just go ahead and move on. No. <laughs> No one says anything. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> Last week, the po- or the podcast was on vulnerability, and I was the one running it, so I got to ask all the questions and not be vulnerable. So,
2: <laughs> how the tables have turned. <laughs>
1: the tables have turned. Um, yeah, I-, I would say that um, I definitely have experienced it to some degree. Like I mentioned, I'm not sure I could be officially diagnosed with it, but I for sure experienced some traits of it. I think it's, um, I think it's a little tricky in like the faith culture that I'm in because we believe in revelation and in being able to be able to hear from God, but also we believe that like worthiness is a standard for that revelation. Um, but also that like God doesn't always answer us right away. And so it's really tricky because I feel like if I'm praying for an answer and I'm not getting that answer, then my first thought is, like, oh, I must have done something to make me unworthy to receive this answer. And so then I, like, rack my brain of, like, any possible thing that I could have done or something that I feel like God is upset at me for and that's why he's not answering me. When in the reality, like, I guess maybe it could be that. Another part of it could be that, like, a whole other million sort of ideas. But I feel like that kind of puts me in that ritualistic behavior where I have to go back and, like, sort through every possible thing I could have done for why God isn't answering me in that present time. And it becomes a a bit of an obsession for me. I feel like I'm also just like hyper aware of like making sure that I'm not doing anything uh, to upset God or to lose touch with God or um, anything like that. So It's something I've worked on a ton in my own personal therapy because it was super prevalent in my life. And I feel like I've gotten better in that, like, my motivation for doing faith-filled things is because I legitimately want to grow closer to God, not because I feel like if I don't, I'm going to suffer some kind of punishment or God's going to be upset at me or mad at me or something like that. I still definitely have a long ways to go, but for sure, it's something that um, is very instinctual for me and something that I have to definitely challenge uh, as soon as that thought comes into my mind, which it it usually is the first thought that comes to my mind. And so I've learned to note the thought, challenge it, be like, no, that's not actually where I want to go. That's not actually leading me to my values and refocus on the type of God, I guess, that I'm choosing to believe in. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I love it.
2: I, can I just add in there? I think that's also what makes scrupulosity so difficult, right? For someone who's suffering from it, is that oftentimes, like the reason the OCD is so hyper focused on their religion or their moral is because, like, inside that's something that they value so much. And so they want to get it right. And so yeah. it's like you're suffering from scrupulosity, and it's actually like you're, it's wanting to make you better but it's actually making you farther away from your morals or like farther away from um like your personal faith or your god so it's it's detrimental but it's masquerading as something that's going to help you
1: totally yeah i think that's spot on i think that's why it's like even a lot of people don't even realize they're doing it they just recognize that they're like trying to get closer to god or closer to their morals but it's a fallacy they're falling into it's actually typically taking them further away from it
0: I think that's the hard thing is it creates a guilt complex, even if you haven't done anything wrong. So how do you deal with the feeling of you've let your God or family down or on the moral end, your community? I think that's the problem with fire and brimstone type religions. You know, there's no grace, but even if there was grace, like even if they taught grace, like would you, or do you think it could even stop that
2: compulsion? So like I mentioned, I don't ever really feel like scrupulosity has been something that I've really struggled with. And I mean, maybe that's just because my moral compass is just like completely shattered or broken or something. (laughs) Maybe a boy's like low-key a psychopath or something. (laughs) Um, But I think one thing that helps me is that I really believe strongly in second chances and that second chances should never run out. Um, Okay, well, maybe not like never run out because I I am always hesitant to use absolutes. Um, But I just feel like we should be gracious enough with ourselves and others to allow space to grow and become better. And you can't grow and you can't become better if you're not also making room for yourself or others to make mistakes. So like we're all destined to screw up and make mistakes eventually And I think oftentimes our definition of failure is just simply if we fall down, that means we've failed. When in reality, it's way healthier if our definition of failure is that we only fail if we don't get back up once we have fallen.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I've noticed for me, um, my scrupulosity is especially high when my perfectionism is also high. And so something that's been really helpful for me is noting that I think in this life, Uh, Just from my perspective, I sometimes try to go about life as if plan A is that I'm perfect and I never screw up and I always know how to do everything perfectly. And um, plan B is me messing up, disappointing God or making mistakes. When in reality, that's not the case. Plan A um, is that I come, I screw up, I learn a lot from those screw ups, I screw up again, I like ask for forgiveness again, and I continue on this path. Of screwing up, learning, making more mistakes, and trying to do better the next time. When I understand that that's plan A, not perfectionism, I feel like my scrupulosity is able to be at ease a bit um, because I'm giving myself the space to make mistakes and the and the expectation that I'm going to make mistakes but do better going forward. No, definitely, that makes sense.
0: Like I feel for me that it isn't, and I isn't that big of a a deal as far as like scrupulosity goes Um, because I didn't grow up in a church at all. And so like uh, most of my life I was atheist. And so I feel like it's something that, uh, again, like it affects people who are religious. And I think it probably even more people who have grown up with this belief their entire lives um, as far as like feeling they need to be a certain way or, you know, this, these expectations that God has of them for me and I was telling Ethan this I'm more of the person that I probably deflect a little bit um so if something goes wrong it's not like oh man I messed up I'm a sinner it's like well lord like if you had done better like I'd be better
2: <laughs> <laughs> like you like you made me do this so. so
0: um and I'm pretty sure that's not healthy either but that's where I'm at right now
2: <laughs> the first step is awareness right <laughs>
1: Yeah, and just a note, I'm sure you both feel the same way, but I think that this is the first topic we've covered that's directly related to a, a diagnosable, like mental health diagnoses. Um, so everything else we've talked about has been more about bringing awareness to certain biases or social illusion, social illusions. Um, and so I just think it's important to note that if anyone out there, you know, any of our millions of listeners, <laughs> um, if, if you feel like scrupulosity is something serious that you're dealing with... Um, we would just encourage you to seek professional help. I know this podcast is really good, but believe it or not, it's not actually a professional service um, that is licensed to dole out therapy. So if it's something <laughs> you struggle with, know that um, speaking from personal experience, it's something that you can definitely get help with and it doesn't have to be a part of your everyday life.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you make that call out because I was kind of feeling the same way. Like on these podcasts, we've usually talked about internal ways that we can better control these experiences we're having but it almost seems like we'd be doing a disservice to how serious scrupulosity is or can be if we were just to say like oh yeah change the way that you think about things or like give yourself grace right like that would be doing a disservice to how serious this is for a lot of people um so I'm curious Jessica as the resident therapist here do you (laughs) know like what kind of professional treatment is available and has been proven to help with OCD or specifically scrupulosity?
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like I can spend an entire podcast going over the different types of like therapeutic modalities that might be helpful and their approach to addressing the specific issue. But there's definitely professional treatment that has been shown to help with scrupulosity. Um, So typically that treatment is going to look like some combination of therapy Uh, that revolves around a style called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is one of the most common types of therapies where you're challenging the thought, you're replacing the thought, which then replaces your emotions and behaviors. Um, And it's usually some type of exposure and response therapy as well. There's, there's a newer therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy that I have found is really effective when addressing uh, OCD tendencies or scrupulosity um, but yeah, basically any kind of treatment that's been proven effective for OCD is also used with, uh, scrupulosity since that's essentially what it is. So, um, those are some options. And if you have any questions about those types of therapy or what they look like, then reach out my personal number. If you have it,
2: <laughs> we'll help you. notes. If you get 10 other people to listen, you get a free therapy session with Jessica. <laughs>
1: That's not true. That's not true. We're <laughs> not going to leave our license over that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Um,
0: I think those are great things to point out and make people aware of. So, you guys, this topic has been great. And thank you for the discussion um, about such an important topic. And as always, I want to know everyone's one sentence takeaway. Yes. Um one sentence, Jessica.
2: Oh, Oh, that's that is rich coming from you, Crystal. You gave us an essay last week.
1: Um All right, Crystal, you're taking notes, making sure this is one sentence. Um I think for me, I just want to remember that I'm not alone in some of these beliefs that I might fall into and remember that this isn't what I want my relationship to personally look like with God. And remember all the ways that I can kind of challenge those beliefs that lead me down the path of scrupulosity. How's that, Crystal? Was it one sentence? It was beautiful.
2: It it was a (laughs) run-on sentence. It was a
1: run-on, but it was a sentence.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I just think sometimes in life, it's not just about, it's not enough to educate ourselves about like an issue that we're having um, sometimes we need to seek professional help. And I think there's no shame in that. And I think there's a lot of power in recognizing when we need to take that next step.
0: Definitely. And I think mine would be honestly, just be kind to yourself. Like the world is hard enough on you. So with that, uh, Ethan, do you want to introduce our next episode?
2: Yes, I'd love to. Uh, so, next week we are going to be talking about something called illyism. Um, and I remember learning about this concept a few months ago and thinking it was super interesting. Uh, so, I'm really excited to talk about it. Illyism, just a, a brief sneak peek, is this fancy word basically for a coping strategy where you talk to yourself about yourself in the third person. And so I'm really excited to discuss it next week, a little more in depth because it's got a lot of neat stuff about it. So make sure to tune in again next week.
1: Cool. Sounds very All exciting. Right.
2: Yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.
2: All right. Bye. 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 leaders.